0: Good morning. I don't get this opportunity that often, but I always enjoy the opportunity to share some things that I've had on my mind with all of you. And I hope that it'll be beneficial to you. What I'll be doing is um, my usual three bullet points. There'll be some sub-bullets. There'll be a lot of scriptures. So just hang in there with and bear with me, and um, hopefully you'll get something out of this. As you notice by my title, that is what I'm going to talk about today. Are you a Christian Atheist? And if Atasca was here, I would mimic her and say, what? That's, uh, Christian Atheist, isn't that contrary or contradictory? How can you be a Christian Atheist? What we'll do is we'll look at, first of all, some definitions. Then we'll look at some examples, some stories, and a lot of scriptures, as I said. So what is a Christian? It's a follower of Christ, right? Pretty basic definition. But if you look in Matthew 16, starting in verse 24, it says, Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will find it. So a Christian is a follower of Christ. So what's an atheist? According to the Merriam-Webster Dictionary, they define atheist as a person who believes that God does not exist. One who believes there is no deity. That's what an atheist is. I want to share a short story about a woman, that, uh, a young woman, that was uh, talking to someone, just kind of sharing their life, and they were saying that in their youth they were uh, active in going to church, they were active in their youth ministry, they were going to the retreats and all those type things, trying to do what was right, but as she got a little older, she had a live-in boyfriend, and she was kind of doing her own thing. But she said, I know my life doesn't look like a Christian's life should look, but I do believe in God. Welcome to Christian atheism, where people believe in God, but live as if he doesn't exist. So I'm going to share a few examples. I've experienced... Some you've probably experienced as well about what that might look like. You ever had uh, in your social media, Facebook friend that one day, boy, they are just ranting. They've got some vulgarity. They've got some offensive language. And then the next day, they're posting about all this praising God. Or you might have the coworker that that walks around saying... Uh, Blessed, uh, you know, uh, God bless you. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, praise God in their common discussion, but they're lazy, they're not doing their job, and they have no integrity. You ever seen anyone like that? Or maybe uh, a neighbor that uh, is a regular churchgoer, but is mean and not mean just to the neighbors, but also to their family, that they're, they're, um, they're not approachable, they're not very friendly. I remember as a kid, the scariest yard in the neighborhood for me to go through was a, a preacher. Uh, I, I remember walking through the yard, him hollering at me. You could hear him hollering at his family. Uh, it was just a yard that I tried to stay far away from. So how might you be... A Christian atheist. There's, as I mentioned, three bullet points I want to look at. Uh, I'll have some upcoming Wednesday night classes where we'll get into a whole lot more than these three. We'll include these three, but we'll discuss several more. But uh, there's just three I wanted to focus today on, and the first one being concerning God's love. Yeah, this is, um, if this is you, I hope you'll deal with it and you'll get it right. Some of you may think God loves others but does he really love me? You carry a burden of guilt. It holds you back. It keeps you from being what you can be. It drags you down. And you say but I don't deserve his love. My response to that is you're right. You don't. None of us do. That's what grace is. It's God who is love. What's the first scripture pops in your mind when you think about God's love? What's the one that all the sporting events post? John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that we can have a relationship with him. We can have eternal life. First John 3.16 similar. It talks about Jesus demonstrated his love in laying down his life for us. But I want to look uh, at Romans 5. If you have your scriptures, hope you'll follow along because this is an important concept that you understand that God loves us, all of us. Romans 5, starting in verse 6. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for who? The good? the awesome, the great, the wonderful. He died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's good news. God loves us all. Jesus came and died on the cross for all of us. There there was no exclusions here. Galatians 2. Hopefully we'll clear this up in your mind, starting in verse 4. But because of his great love for us, this we ask the question, how? It's because of who God is because of his great love for us God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions it is by grace you've been saved so with that in mind you need to quit denying God's power and quit denying his love he's able to forgive you can, can he forgive you You know, I look back at the scriptures and we see examples of the taxpayer or the tax collector rather. We see that this was not an occupation that was of high integrity. It was not an occupation that necessarily was real pleasing to God. But he forgave. We see examples where he forgave the tax collector. He forgave prostitutes. He forgave the violent, even the murderers. He forgave those that denied him. And you can just fill in the blank because he forgave all our sins. Yes, Christ's blood is powerful enough to cleanse even you. All right, that's bullet number one. Went through that fairly quick. Bullet number two is, are we a Christian atheist by our actions? If you look at Hebrews 11, I think we know of Hebrews 11 kind of referred to as the Hall of Faith. It's a chapter of all these men and women that demonstrated their faith by what? Their actions. Faith and actions go together. It's one thing to say something. It's another thing to follow it up by actions. And those uh, were great demonstrations. Of faith, Verse 6 in Hebrews 11 says, Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So we need to be demonstrating our faith by what we do, by our actions. And with that, as a Christian, there should be life change. There should be spiritual growth. We should be becoming more like Christ. And that's something you need to ask yourself from the time you became a Christian to whatever time frame it is now. Some it's longer, but has there been any growth? Are we stagnant? Are we staying the same? In some cases, have we backslidden? Where do we stand as a Christian in our growth? Galatians 6, verse 7, it says, Do not be deceived. That right there should get your attention. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. That's a pretty sobering thought, right? We can a lot, a lot of times kind of kid ourselves, maybe deceive some people around us, but we're not deceiving God. God knows who we are. God knows what we're all about. He knows our thoughts. It says, a man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please his sinful nature From that nature will reap destruction. And you see it all around you. People that are sowing the sinful nature. It's like people wake up. Look where it's taking you. You see the destruction all around them. It's a life of destruction. But the one who sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap the greatest reward of all, eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers. You know, this is a scripture to encourage us to hang on, to persevere, keep doing what's right. First Timothy 4, verse 16. The scriptures that is trying to really get us as Christians to think what's important. What do we stand for? What are we about? It says, watch your life and doctrine closely. You ever see somebody that gets maybe one of those right? Man, they, they can tell you. They've got scriptures quoted, memorized. They, they're quick to throw a scripture out in a conversation, but their life doesn't support that way at all. Or you might have someone that actually seems like a pretty good person, but they don't know what's in the Bible. They don't know what God has in store for them. They, don't, they know some real basics maybe, but they're, they're not well versed in God's Word. It says, watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them, because if you do, you will save both yourself and your here." You see a common theme here in Scripture about perseverance. The Christian life's not always easy, but it's worth it. And we need to be persevering. Think about if you had a survey, and on that survey were questions about the fruits of the Spirit. If you know Galatians 5 where it says the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, gentleness, self-control, faithfulness. And you had to check off where you how many of these am I consistently applies to me? Or better yet, ask someone that knows you well. To fill it out for you. How do you think you would do? This is what a follower of Christ represents. It says, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh, with its passions and desires. We're, as Christians, we should be demonstrating a different life than an atheist. Okay, moving on to another sub-bullet. In our actions, do we demonstrate God's love? And this kind of ties in, but when you think about not, if you define love today, you may get a different definition than what God has for love. But if you look at 1 Corinthians 13, what does it say about love? This is what we as Christians should be demonstrating. We should be demonstrating this love to our families. We should be demonstrating this love to our co-workers, to our neighbors, our friends, even our enemies. So I hope that you think about how you demonstrate your love to others. Do our actions include service? Ephesians 4 says, Christ Himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to prepare God's people for the works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. That's what this is about. If you're coming and sitting in the pew just expecting to get You're here for the wrong reason. The body of Christ is about learning how to serve so that this body can be built up. That should be our mindset. We should be keyed in on how we can help this body grow. And I'm not specifically talking about cornerstone. I'm talking about the body of Christ worldwide. Are we keyed in on helping it grow? Are we here to learn how to go out and be effective for Christ? Is our light shining to attract people to God? Are we repelling uh, Christ from others? Um, I know as a kid, one of the biggest things that, uh, you know, when I was, talking to different, um, well, people in my life that was so turned off by the hypocrisy of religion. So many people were saying one thing and doing something completely different. They were denying the power of God. They were living as if God did not exist. So... How are our actions regarding our giving? You know, we think about when we're most like Christ is when we're serving and giving. How is our giving? And there's, there's a lot of different ways. We've talked about that. There's obviously the support for paying the bills of the church. There's mission work. But there's so many different ways to give. And it, it has to kind of come from your resources, that you've been blessed with. Your time is a very valuable asset. Um, are you giving of your time? Are you giving of the resources God has blessed you? Have you are you hospitable? Um, yeah, I know the Knicks are a great example in hospitality, and I very much appreciate that. Giving of their time to have people over and prepare meals with them, and just fellowship, and that's awesome. We should all be looking to do more of that. In 2 Corinthians 9, it says, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, For God loves a cheerful giver. And I think Ken just shared that in his communion, that God loves a cheerful giver. We should be excited about giving back uh, because we have been so very blessed. I I saw some statistics. I don't know if they're completely accurate, but it was pretty amazing about Americans. If we have, and, and almost all of us do, have a roof, have daily food, and clothes, We're like 75% better off than the rest of the world. That's pretty staggering. That's, that doesn't mean we have to be driving a Lexus or uh, you know, $300, $400 suit um, and live in a mansion. That's just having a roof, clothing, and daily food. We are very blessed. Okay, listen to this. Satan doesn't really care if you go to church. He doesn't even care if you read the Bible. What he does care about, if you apply what you learn. That's when you get Satan's attention. He does care about that. I don't know if any of you ever heard of a, an American businessman named Max Dupree, but he, he was quoted as saying, we cannot become what we need to be by remaining what we are. In other words, we need to be growing. We need to be um, evaluating self and seeing ways that we can be all that we need to be. All right, last bullet. Kind of flying through this, I believe. Get a chance to get out early. Um, Last bullet, certainly not the least. And that's about Christian atheism in our prayer life. Uh, Do we pray? If so, what are our prayers? Uh, This is kind of where I got my ideas. The the Christian Atheist is really interesting book. The author, Craig Groeschel, was sharing about in his college days, his fraternity got in a lot of trouble. They were almost shut down for some things that they were doing. So he decided that he would um, start a Bible study. Not so much... To do the right thing but for PR purposes he thought if it got out that his fraternity was doing Bible studies that would be good public relations for them so they started a group of his fraternity brothers getting together and praying and this is some of the prayers that they had God protect us as we party God keep Joe's girlfriend from getting pregnant God, don't let us get caught cheating on the American history test. Those are not exactly the prayers of a follower of Christ, right? Um, But that's, how many times does God hear something like that? I want to read one page from this book. Bear with me. But this this potentially could be hitting home. It says a pastor once asked his church to pray that God would shut down a neighborhood bar. The whole church gathered for an evening prayer meeting, pleading with God to rid the neighborhood of the evils of this bar. A few weeks later, lightning struck the bar and it burned to the ground. Having heard about the church's prayer crusade, the bar owner promptly sued the church. When the court date finally arrived, the bar owner passionately argued that God struck his bar with lightning because of the church members' prayer. The pastor backtracked, brushing off the accusations. He admitted the church prayed, but he also affirmed that no one in his congregation really expected anything to happen. The judge leaned back in his chair, a mix of amusement and perplexity on his face. Finally, he spoke I can't believe what I'm hearing. Right in front of me is a bar owner who believes in the power of prayer and a pastor who doesn't. You know, and, and that's got some humor to it, but does are we like that? Do we say prayers without any expectations? We're told in Acts 2 as Christians to devote ourselves to prayers. Christians, it says in Acts 2.42, and even Colossians 4.2, for Christians to devote themselves to prayers. It's important. It's not just a time filler of our life. So how should we pray? Well, we have an example from Jesus. In Matthew 6, 9 through 13, it says, This then is how you should pray. And this is Jesus speaking. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Hallowed meaning sacred revered do we revere god's name hallowed be your name your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors lead us not into temptation but deliver us from the evil one and as a kid most of us probably memorized that Certainly had some benefit. Unfortunately, I think a lot of times that's all we did was memorize it. And we didn't really think about what Jesus was telling us, how to pray and, and why to pray. Just quickly, some scriptures. that talks a little bit about prayer. If, you, if you're taking notes, 1 John 5, verses 14 and 15 talks about Praying and having confidence if, it's, if our prayer is according to God's will. If you ever are praying and you feel like you're ineffective in your prayer, you might want to ask yourself a few questions. One, is it according to God's will? Two, is, is my life demonstrating that of a, a Christian? Proverbs 15 Verse 8, and and skipping to 29 also, it says, The Lord detests the sacrifice of the wicked, but the prayer of the upright pleases him. The Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayer of the righteous. James 1, verses 5 through 8, talks about um, if anyone lacks wisdom, you should ask for it. You know, wisdom's a good thing to have. We... We know the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. We, we learned that from the Old Testament. Wisdom can help direct us, guide us through life in a very beneficial way. So it says, if anyone lacks wisdom, ask for it. Uh, God who gives generously to all without finding fault, it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. You know, when I read that, I think about David can tell you all about the waves of the sea. There's some massive seas, right? They're coming, they're going, and it's just like, can be somewhat chaotic at times, you know. We, our life should not be like the waves of the sea. Uh, Mark 11, verses 24 and 25 says in fa- uh, talks about praying in faith. And it it also goes on to say something that's real important. If you want effective prayer, get rid of the bitterness of someone. It says, without grudge or bitterness toward others. Those can certainly hold your prayers back from being effective. And then James 4.3 is an example of what Craig was praying in college, the wrong motives. You know, are we praying all about self? is our prayer life devoted to how we can get what we want. Um, a lot of times, God's protecting us from what we want because what we want isn't always the best thing for us. Paul gives us a couple of examples in prayer. If you look in Philippians <coughs> chapter 1, 9 through 11, it says, And this is my prayer, that that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. That sounds very much like that would be a prayer that is in God's will that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you can discern what is best. He also says in Philippians 4, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. In 1 Peter 3 is similar to... uh, the, the Proverbs I was reading, it says, For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and His ears are attentive to their prayer, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. So in prayer, are you just kind of going through the motion? If, if you pray at all, are you just going through the motion? you just sitting down before you go to bed and saying a little something so you can kind of feel a little better about yourself? And, um maybe you wake up in the morning you say a little quick prayer before you eat your breakfast and is is your prayer life deeper than that does it go beyond do you do you have prayers of a believer that if we're praying for what's right that's in God's will that good things you expect good things to happen not Sometimes the timetable of God is different from our timetable. You know, we, we pray one night, we expect it the next day. But you can think of several examples that things didn't quite happen that way. Um, sometimes the prayer that we ask for, we think is, it, we have the great intentions, seems like it's God's will, and God's answering prayer, but he's answering it different than we expect but he's answering it nevertheless. Um, Craig was sharing church. Um, his church was growing. He just got together, the leadership, and they had a, a sincere prayer about uh, where they had a building fund they built. They added on to their church, but they filled it up very quickly. So they were. they really had vision for something even bigger, and they had a big budget that they were praying for, and they were diligent in their prayers. They had a deadline on the fundraising, and they didn't make it. And he was kind of like, "Well, wait a second, I I know this is right. It's got to be God's will. We're talking about growing the kingdom. Why is our prayers not being answered? And then in a meeting, someone said, well, you know, there's a, there's a theater across town that's available for us to rent and so sure enough they wound up expanding their attendance way more than if they'd have built the same area they they actually had two areas and um, so it was to the benefit of of the body but they just didn't it wasn't how they saw things initially um, I'm going to make a little suggestion if you want to grow in your prayer life just an idea you can do what you want to with it it's free but if you get you a little prayer journal some may have done this before maybe start May 1st just a few days away go through just commit yourself to going through the end of the year, December 31st eight months start writing down what you're praying for. And then start writing down what you're seeing as a result of your prayers. And you'll really see God is good. You won't always get everything you ask. You won't always get what seems to be all focused on God's will in the timetable you're looking for. But you'll see how good God is uh, just, I just think about how our prayers in this body have been answered in a pretty, you know, so many prayers answered in a short period of time. Are we focusing on those things? Do we just pray, forget about it? God answers a prayer and we don't even acknowledge it, you know. So I, I challenge you to, to maybe start a prayer journal and, and just let, uh, start acknowledging when you see prayers answered. All right. Wrapping this thing up. Uh, as, as Jason would say, I'm landing the plane. In closing, I want to share some lyrics uh, of a song that m- probably most of you have heard if you listen to, to Christian music. But um, You've heard of Casting Crowns. They have a lot of great songs. But this specific one is called The Life Song. And listen closely at the words. Empty hands held high, such small sacrifice, If not joined with my life, I sing in vain tonight. May the words I say and the things I do make my life song sing, bring a smile to you. Let my life song sing to you. (coughs) Excuse me. Let my life song sing to you. I want to sign your name to the end of this day. Knowing that my heart was true, let my life song sing to you. Lord, I give my my life a living sacrifice to reach a world in need to be your hands and feet. (coughs) So may the words I say and the things I do may my life song sing, bring a smile to you. I almost got through this. So what is your life song? Is it pleasing to God? At the end of the day, can can people see that we've represented Christ? Is our light shining? Are we a mirror of Jesus? If it's not, there's still hope. Maria Robinson, an American author, said, nobody can go back and start a new beginning, but anyone can start today and make a new ending. That's great news. We have breath in our body. If we're not where we want to be, we can be. We can start today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you just in all that you would love us. We thank you so very much for your grace and your mercy. We thank you that you are a God of love, that you are righteous, that you have allowed your son to come and die on a cross. He certainly didn't deserve it. We did. But you allowed him to do it so that we could have a relationship with you. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the guidance that we receive from it. I thank you so very much for the the fellowship, the encouragement that we get from the body. I thank you that you've held a place for us in heaven so we can have a place for eternity that there's no sadness or sickness or grieving or pain but it's going to be better than we can ever even imagine. And I thank you so very much for that. Thank you for the brothers and sisters that are here. Thank you for the encouragement that I received from them. Lord, I pray that you'll be with us as we depart today, that you will give us the wisdom, strength, courage, and desire to do what's right and please you. And that we will focus on being your follower, that we'll be focused on representing you in a positive light. And that whatever things might be holding us back, that we'll deal with those and we'll persevere in what's right. Lord, I pray that you will help us not quickly forget your word, but that we'll be making every effort to apply it to our life. In Jesus' name, amen.